0: listening to the all-new cyber.fm
1: hey everybody james tiley and johnny fry digital Bytes podcast as you hear every week on the podcast or in rotation on team blockchain radio over at cyber.fm we are going to discuss today it is january today's january 13th right the 12th article went out and uh, covered a few subjects and our our guest article writer comes up at the end of part one of this show. Let me bring Johnny Fry on. He's the man who knows everything about what's going on.
0: I don't know about that, James, but good, good to be back on the air. And and uh, before I forget, we've got a bit of a trip down memory lane, going back to your old stomping ground of sort of Wall Street and high-frequency trading and derivatives. But that's after the break with our guest, um, Brian Coyne, from from Casey Holdings. So, Look, looking forward to that because Brian is uh, quite a live wire and really interesting. As you, you, you'll hear, he's he's actually um, spent you know a lot of time in the traditional derivatives market and sees a lot of similarities between the opportunities that were back in the 80s and how that market exploded to be something like a 700 trillion dollar market and thinks that the crypto market we can learn a lot from the derivatives and some good opportunities in sort of crypto. So be interested to hear you know what his thoughts later
1: on the whole time that we were talking to him, I just imagined him in like a DeLorean with like the Miami vice suit jacket (laughs) rolled up to the elbows. You know what I'm talking about, right?
0: I do. I do. Yeah. Don, Don Johnson with his um, linen jacket. Exactly, uh... man. He was was that TV show.
1: He lived. Miami vice wanted to live Miami. Miami
0: vice. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, sticking, sticking with all, all, you know, sticking with sort of the TV and, 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 films. Um, we, we wrote about uh, non-fungible tokens in the media. Um, and we, we were quite interested to see that um, LG, the TV manufacturer, a- actually, I, th- I think it was at the, in, in Vegas at an electronics show, um, they actually have been showcasing... Sorry, it was in Miami. It was in Miami. And they, they were showcasing a television able to display um, your NFT literally on your sofa... Um, With a click of your remote control and not to be outdone, Samsung has said that they will be bringing out um, a range of three new TVs this year. And effectively, you'll be able to sort of browse and look at NFTs and then buy them. And then once you've bought them, you can then display them on your TV. So it shows how, you know, you think it's it's only it can't be more than a year, James, that NFTs really started getting some exposure. And now we're going
1: to see them on the telly. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for a quick moment and say that my LG television heard me talk to my business partners when we started doing exactly that in the CyberFM mobile app. I'm just saying. Wow. Wow. But, but also it's not just having, having the NFTs on a TV,
0: but we, we were, we were interested to see that. Um, that well, it sounds like a really interesting film coming out um, called um, a wing and a prayer. And um, I believe Martin Scorsese is behind it. Very famous film producer. Um, And there's he's teamed up with a chap called Neil Joule, J-U-U-L. And this is basically a a film based on a true story. And it's going to be funded by issuing non-fungible tokens um, completely. So that's how they're going to pay for it by issuing these. So if you buy a non-fungible token, you'll be able to get access to some of the sort of viewing rights and maybe come on the set and, but you'll and you'll be able to share in part of the profits. And the film is all about the world's first flight around the world in a, in a microplane. So it's a, it's a bit like sort of around the world in 80 days. But, it, but instead of a, a speed element to it, um, the old Jules Verne film, it, it's in a microplane. So I thought that would be quite a scary journey. But but interesting that we're seeing non-fungible tokens um, now coming into Hollywood. And we then found out that it's not just Hollywood, but it's Bollywood as well. And one of um, Bollywood's biggest stars, um, he's actually launched something called Bolly Coins. Um, I think 8 million so far from what we could see have been launched out of the 20 million. And they were already launched back in October uh, 2021 at 10 cents. And at one stage, they they had actually risen up to 21 cents. I, I haven't looked at them today, but um, earlier the week, they they were... Um, they were around about sort of 12, 14 cents. And the reason we mention that is that great, it sounds superb when a coin goes from 10 to 20, but obviously bear in mind some people would have bought them at 20 and they've now come back down. So as as that old investment expression, all that glitters isn't gold. And as within many, many different cryptos, you need to remember that um, you know, NFTs can be very volatile and um, you know, really should be only you should put in there what you realistically can afford to lose. But as a funding mechanism, interesting to see we're seeing them in not just, you know, art and videos and music,
1: but coming now into the film industry. I do think that um, I, I've seen this, maybe he used a trendsetter where the tokens are released to buy the NFT We're well, yes. almost creating a currency now to support the individual ecosystem. I think it's genius.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And, and, it's, and it's funny, and we're going to touch on this actually next week, um, this whole idea of people coming together in a community, pooling their money, and whether it's with an NFT or whether it be with a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, and a little bit like a sort of venture capital fund, these people are creating communities to invest in projects. In this case, it's investing in a film. Um, but there's other projects which we will we'll explain more about in the next week's show. But I, I know Brian. Just sorry, going back to our guest Brian Coyne, who's coming on after the uh, break. One of the things that attracted him into the world of cryptos was that in the derivatives market, they only really were interested in one thing, and that was how much money could you make. Whereas in the crypto world, we see a much stronger element of community. There's a lot more people who discuss things on. Various different forums like Discord and Slack and WhatsApp groups and Telegram, and the sharing of ideas and the fact that we want to try and do something which will benefit many
1: many people rather than just want to make a quick fast buck. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you started talking about China in that same article though.
0: Well, yeah, the, the reason we brought up China is that the um, the the state controlled news agency have basically. Said so they're going to release a collection of non-fungible tokens. The 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 gov- as, as as well as CNBC, actually reported that the Shanghai City Department has released um, a five-year development plan, which is included in encouraging the metaverse um, and the use of the metaverse in public services, business offices, and other areas, and within the metaverse uh, as a as a way to um, advertise and promote goods and services. Um, and as a way to trade, we're seeing non-fungible tokens. So, whilst the Chinese um, have made it pretty clear they 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 don't want people in their country getting um, involved in cryptocurrencies, they they seem to have a different stance towards non-fungible tokens. And the the, the Chinese one of the one of the um, traits of the Chinese is they are very avid collectors, um, and they're very it's it's something which they've always always done. Not just in the digital world, but they've been collectors of of art and and wine and property. And if we start seeing them, you know, moving just a little bit of their capital towards the non-fungible token market, well, you can see why, you know, this, this is going to attract a lot of capital and to do all sorts of things, whether it be films, whether it be um, music, whether it be the arts. So I think that's worth keeping an eye on. If, if And if that's true, the Chinese are going to allow non-fungible tokens, then maybe... Um, we're going to see a lot more money and a lot more interest coming in from Asia into, into this market.
1: You know, call me biased, but here's an issue I see. When I think about China banning crypto, and, and like you said, but they'll embrace NFTs, you can't have the metaverse. I'm going to say it. You can't really have the metaverse without NFTs and, and vice versa, right? It's, the world's going to go that way. But yeah. when you think about the metaverse from a government aspect, could it be possible, and this is just me, that the Metaverse is going to allow physically disabled people a lot more access to things that are necessarily not necessarily available today, right? Because you have to commute, public transportation, health and wellness with doctors. That's going to be a big part of the Metaverse. So a government can't necessarily reject that.
0: James, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, with, with the Metaverse... Uh, and I, I know we've touched on this in last week's show, talking about um, Microsoft are going to basically create a metaverse um, and they're going to build it into their team's software. Um, we've already seen Facebook have renamed themselves Meta because they think this is the, if you like, the next evolution of sort of online. And, and at the moment, people, if they're not familiar with the metaverse, are saying, well, why do I need to be in a sort of virtual digital world? Well, you know, what's all that about? But I think that as we start seeing metaverses being created whereby they're useful for, you know, for social and and for sort of, you know, for gaming or for, um, you know, just time when you've got time, take a bit of time out. But when they start being used in a work environment and, you know, you and I could be in a metaverse and we could be doing some training um, on, I don't know, let's say we're lawyers, like, like Brian trained to be, or let's say we're an accountant or we're a doctor or a dentist. And it doesn't matter whether, Um, you know, I'm, I'm in a wheelchair um, or, you know, you're an Olympic athlete, you know, we're both effectively for that training session, we're sitting at a desk and we've got the same access and the same opportunity to have that training. And going forward, we'll be able to use those skills in a metaverse to potentially earn money, to meet people, to socialize. And no one knows, you know, the, you know, what your, your creed, your nationality, the color of your skin, your physical capabilities. And and this again, I think, just emphasizes the inclusivity of these technologies. And, and that has to be a good thing, surely. And what's more, it's very difficult, as you say, for governments and the whole idea of national borders and saying you can't do that because you live in London or you can't do it because you're a Parisian or you live in New York. It's sorry, this is this is an international global metaverse a global virtual world and it's gonna you know this all sounds good it's gonna be some problems there's always gonna be some bad guys out there they're gonna try and take advantage of that but these metaverses will have the ability to trade and train and educate but also social interaction so you're gonna see all the brands in there wanting to advertise you know their goods and services um and you know the, potentially you know selling bits and pieces using non-fungible tokens
1: yeah, it's going to definitely create everything to be more equitable, for sure. Yeah. Great metaverse section in, in that newsletter this week.
0: So, so Jane, we, we, there was another article um, in, in this week which just wanted to bring people's attention to by um, actually one of our previous guests. If you remember, we had Peter Havemacher, um just before Christmas um, talking about um, trading of digital assets. And he wrote, um, I, we asked him to write a, a more technical article and uh, uh, apologies it's it's about nearly a couple of thousand words long and it was looking at crypto assets and you know are they an inflation hedge can they diversify your investments uh, while increasing their return and th- there's lots of there's lots of charts in here lots of statistics lots of information um, and I, I, I really would recommend um, anyone that hasn't, um, hasn't read it get a cold flannel Um, get a strong cup of coffee or something like that, and and just sit there and read the article because he's making a very strong rational case um, of the benefits and the uses of um, digital assets of of cryptocurrencies in a portfolio. Um, And the research and analysis they've done um, is basically saying, you know, it it, it makes sense or it would appear to make sense to have maybe up to 5% of your money in this asset class. And and the reason I want to emphasize that is again, you know, we're not trying to sell, promote, recommend any individual investment, but it would seem to make sense. And when you sort of get up to speed and educate yourself and realize that it's never a good idea to put all your eggs in one basket. So you don't have all your money with IBM or with L'Oreal or with Shell Petroleum. You want to have a spread of different shares. You want to ideally have exposure to different investments, a bit of property, maybe a bit of commodities, maybe some fixed interest. And in that mix, it seems like it's a good idea to have some exposure, but I emphasize some. You know, um, Peter is actually talking about maybe having up to 5% of your money. And what this does to your portfolio is not only increase the potential returns, but it makes the overall portfolio actually slightly, bizarrely less risky. Because when stocks and shares go up, then cryptos don't always go up. Sometimes they go down. And when stocks and shares go down, well, sometimes cryptos go up. So they have not what's known as an inverse correlation. And that's what it's all about, by having diversification in your portfolios. As to whether cryptos will be a hedge against inflation, I think we're going to find that out in the next 12, 18 months. You know, the inflation numbers... Um, reported in America yesterday, I think, um, you know, at just over 7%. You haven't seen inflation like that in your country for, for decades. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to some of these crypto assets. And are they really a hedge? Are they going to perform reasonably well compared to perhaps other investments? At the moment, I think the is out to some extent. But I think there's a growing body of evidence to show that having a little bit of money in this asset class can actually improve your returns without actually increasing the volatility of your overall
1: investments. I paid this is the true story. I paid seven dollars for peanut butter. Like I feel like I had to sell a piece of Bitcoin to go get peanut butter. That's <laughs> inflation in the US. Wow. Wow.
0: Yeah. Well and you know, unfortunately given, you know, the potential supply chain shortages and we've still got, you know, we've still got COVID, um, you know, it's still a very, very real um threat to the economic global economic recovery. You know, I know here we are, sort of middle of January, and the, the sort of wave of COVID um, in, the, in the UK has sort of moved from the South Wing, from London, and there's other parts now where some of our hospitals are really struggling under the number of people that are poorly. What in America, you're getting consistently a million plus people a day reporting to, to have COVID. And what, the reason this impacts on the economy is because people aren't able to, you know, man the trains, man factories. So we're seeing production shortages. Production shortages mean that people pay more because they want to get hold of some of the goods. So, inflation's going up. You know, at that, at a time when we've got huge amounts of debt, higher inflation tends to lead to higher interest rates. And we're already seeing, um, again, we've seen higher interest rates a little bit here in the UK, just a little bit. Um, places like New Zealand, they've been putting up, there's a number of countries, and now America too is talking about putting up interest rates. At a time with huge amount of debt, that's not good for equity markets. Um, so, I think. You know, 2022 is going to be—it's going to be a bumpy road. Um It's going to be a bumpy road, and it'll be interesting to see at the end of it how well a sort of diversified portfolio of cryptos is compared um compared to say something like the S and P 500, which has had a stellar return, you know, fueled mainly by all those tech stocks um, in the states. So it'll be interesting to see how how it plays out.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be, and and unfortunately, COVID is not a subject that's going to go away anytime soon. My my yeah. yoga instructor passed away this past Saturday from oh, COVID double wow. vaxxed boosted the whole nine yards and uh she yeah. passed away and I feel like you know the U.S. is getting it hard I I feel like it's we can't go through these lockdowns and things like that. I mean I, I, if we have to sure but I can't have a repeat it's yeah. it's going to affect the market entirely
0: yeah yeah
1: well just just on a well I hadn't I didn't realize about you yeah, I'm very
0: sorry um you know James that's terrible when you when you Got a close friend that dies from it. That's, that's, that's tough. That's tough. I, Not to I, be so
1: depressing.
0: <laughs> no, but, it, but I think it's a dose of realism. Um, a dose of realism there, James. James, fine, because I know we've got, to, we've got to stop because we've got a break coming up. The other thing we just wanted to bring people's attention to was the announcement from PayPal. And PayPal have um, confirmed they're going to launch their own uh, dollar-backed stable coin. So this will be a digital currency backed by a, a big bag of gold. Um, It's not gold, big bag of dollars. And it's not so much the fact that PayPal have announced this. I think what you need to look out for is, or the question is, how long before American Express, Visa, MasterCard, copy PayPal? And what will this do to the banks? Because we're likely to see more and more of these payment platforms, these debit credit card operators, actually creating their own currency, and therefore bypassing a lot of the traditional banking services. And as interest rates rise, which we think there's a pretty good chance because we're already seeing it, at the moment, these stable coins don't really make any money for the issuer. But if we see interest rates, say, back at just, say, 5%, then, you know, all of a sudden, if PayPal's, um, you know, sitting on a few billion um, of their stable coin, then, you know, they'll, they won't be giving all of that 5% to the owners of the stable coin. And if they're suddenly saying, "Oh, we can make one or two percent off of our stablecoin deposits," then you can see it's a very, very financially attractive proposition for some of these payment platforms, and it's the sort of money the banks have been earning, but they won't be, because people won't be necessarily depositing their money in a bank. They'll have it sort of elsewhere, um, and that then has a big implication on how do the banks get the money to lend to investors? But there'll be we'll, we'll talk more on that another time. But uh, there's some big, big changes going on in the financial markets potentially, James.
1: And that's going to lead to the requirement of just a lot more education and, and informational things because we're going to see so many. I mean, everybody's going to have a stable coin. It'll be a hot new thing.
0: Yeah, potentially, potentially. But
1: yeah, so um,
0: so on the education side, if, if, people, if you'd like a copy, we, we basically do this once a week, James, don't we? We talk about some of the developments and who, how, and where, and why people are using blockchain technology and, and digital assets. And, and that's really what Digital Bytes is all about. And that's what the Digital Bytes show here on Cyber.fm um, is designed to do. Not, not trying to recommend any particular product or service or fund or company, but just say, look, some of these things are happening. Make sure you're aware of it and then decide how and where, what you need to do or what your company needs to do, because change is very much coming. Um, If you want a copy of Digital Bytes, we email it out every Wednesday. Um, You can either contact uh, James uh, Tiley at cyber.fm or find him on LinkedIn. Or alternatively, um, you can contact me, Johnny Fry, J-O-N-N-Y-F-R-Y. Johnny Fry, I'm also on LinkedIn and we'll happily um, put you on the list and you can then receive in your inbox every week
1: a copy of Digital Bytes. I almost thought maybe you forgot how to spell your name there for a second i did i did you're not not burning (laughs) out already it's only january
0: (laughs) oh dude right james we we better we better break off because after the break we've got brian coin coming on um who is our old derivatives trader who's gonna expand on why he can see similarities between derivatives and now cryptos and and why he's quite excited about the new crypto
1: markets he definitely set the mood for uh joking we we gotta do a comedy show one day (laughs) no but i I agree with what you were saying uh, earlier i think we do a good job of really creating some unbiased news and information and things that don't have to be said about financial advice i mean this is this is data at its best and uh we're gonna have to really increase that education for people that that want to stay abreast you know
0: that's what we're trying to do
1: all right so coming up brian coin And he's going to you're going to see why we're all in a good mood when we bring him back in like two minutes. Fantastic. Speak to me then, James. Thanks. And thanks again for sorting this out again. Really good. Always good to talk to you. I do think we should hold off on switching them back, though, until we get that crop report New Year's Eve, don't you?
2: Absolutely. No sense rocking the boat until then.
1: If uh, Mr. Beeks does what we paid him to do. We should have a very happy New Year. Indeed. <laughs> hey, Johnny, we're back over here, huh? Me and you, over at the Digital Bytes podcast. January is on a roll. We're doing great. I was a little worried about 2022, with, with the way 2021 went. But you've got full control of this, and you're bringing us an '80s guy, like a like a real human, right? Not some stuffy. <laughs> type guy. This guy talks about basically how Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd changed his life. I'm best friends with him already. So his <laughs> name is Brian Coyne. He's over at a, is a Kasai. I'm gonna say that wrong holdings. Oh that's
2: correct. that's that's correct, James. Oh I, uh, I I've
0: got it. it. Okay, well thank, thanks James and, and Brian welcome to the Digital Blight Show here on Cyber.fm and um, yeah well as James said you you saw a Hollywood film and it changed your life You know, is that was the guy that sat there and said, "I can walk, I can walk," and you know, I can see or something, wasn't it? Eddie Murphy, exactly,
2: exactly correct, Johnny. (laughs) So I, I I, I used to be a lawyer. I used to come. I studied uh, at university for seven years. Basically, I was the first person in my family to get a university degree, and I, I did whatever I could to make my uh, family happy, and um, that involved going to university. So. I chose the easiest subject I could, which was law. It was easier than medicine. And uh, seven years later, I was sitting in a law office, Monday morning, counting the hours till Friday afternoon, thinking, well, is this what my life's going to be about? And just uh, being a clock uh, watcher, carrying on doing my job. And I went to the movies. I watched Trading Places. This is the honest truth. And I thought, this orange juice... I won't spoil the movie for people that haven't seen it, but it's basically... Live Hogs.
0: Live Hogs as well. Don't forget those. Yes.
2: (laughs) So I, I saw Futures. I thought, Futures? This sounds like pretty, you know, pretty cool. And everyone was on the floor of the stock exchange buying and selling and going crazy. And they weren't sitting in an office reading legal contracts. And I thought, I've got to find out more. I've got to find out more. And then eventually I did find out more. I saw an advert in the paper and there I was as a, you know, a qualified lawyer applying to be a junior trader on the floor. Um, and that was the start of my life in trading. And
1: Have we lost you? That's the wonderful thing about radio. I
0: think we lost him. Hello? Hello, Brian. We, we, we lost you. You were... Uh... You were saying that you um, you were sitting in your law office, getting bored, and you went and watch trading places. And you were looking at futures. They were telling you all about futures, and you you went and applied for a job. So where was that job that, in London, or where did that, you first that start job, working? That,
2: that job was uh, based in London, uh, ironically working for a, a, an American company called Bailey Shapkin, which uh, was you know many many, many years ago.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, they sent me over to London. I went to the floor. I went to Chicago and. This was my dream. you know. I couldn't believe I was being paid to do something that I would have done for free. <laughs> so I carried on a career doing this for, for uh, 20, 25, 30 years, 35 years. And all of a sudden, I saw people driving around in Lamborghinis. I saw young guys going into uh, restaurants and nightclubs and they were the you know, the richest guys in the room. And I'm like, what are these guys doing? And they were like trading crypto. I thought they were drug dealers. I thought they were, I had no idea what that world was. And I carried on caring about Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I still didn't really register until I saw a, a, a course advertised on Facebook. And obviously, when you talk about Bitcoin and Ethereum, Facebook's listening to you. And the next thing, an an advert appeared on my uh, Facebook account for a a course at the London School of Economics by correspondence, a cryptocurrency and disruption course. And I thought, let me do this. Let me see what this is all about. It opened my eyes. Three months later, I'm like, this is unbelievable. There's a new (laughs) new world.
0: (laughs) A new world for for an old boy.
2: Yes, I was like an old dog with, I had no new tricks. And all of a sudden, yeah, I'm an old dog and I got a new trick. And I'm thinking to myself, I've got to get into this world. This is unbelievable. People are working together. They're not, you know, coming from the concept of, you know, greed is good. Let's kill the other guys, zero sum, you know, derivative. My whole world comes from a zero sum world. You know, for every winner, there's a loser. So when we were able to find you know, the crypto world and the community and the way everything operates, it was like, this is just unbelievable. I need to get into it. I spoke to a couple of my friends and then before we knew it, we were able to, you know, they, they started a uh, company which is trading in London and it basically trades cryptocurrencies for the man in the street that doesn't know how to uh, open a wallet, doesn't understand, um, you know, the, the utility of coins or, you know, what coins are real, which aren't and, you know, pump and dump schemes. And, you know, we, we put our own money in it and uh, we got a couple of friends. And then before we knew it, we were, uh, you know, an equity trading in the London, you know, in London uh, on the Aquas exchange. And um, it's the best world that i've come into and unfortunately i'm coming into it at the end of my training career I'm not at the beginning that's the only thing i'm sad
0: about okay so brian let me let, let's let's just back up a little bit because obviously we have a real cross-section of listeners um to the show from all over the world C- can you just give a very simple explanation what are derivatives and you know, how are, are they a little quirky market or are they are they are they important who uses them the derivatives are used by two people they're used by
2: speculators and they're used by hedgers the first known derivative contract goes back to the early 15th century and it's a prime example the japanese rice farmers they would be worried about their crops in the next season so the japanese rice farmers wife would say uh satoshi we're going to need money for the next year what are you going to do and he would say well I can sell my whole rice crop right now to Mr. Jones, who will buy it from me at a predetermined price. And whatever happens with the, the rice market, I know I'm going to get X yen a bushel, and that's guaranteed come hell or high water. If there's a bumper crop, unlucky me, I still only receive 20 yen a bushel. And if there's a disaster, um I still receive 20 yen a, a bushel. So he would be known as the hedger. And uh, the person on the other side would be the, uh, uh, someone that wants to take a position in you know, the markets and would be, for lack of a better word, would be prepared to gamble or speculate as to whether or not the market would go up. So if someone believed that there was going to be a rice shortage, they would go to the farmers and say, listen, we'll buy all your rice now. For the next six months, and uh, they would benefit if the price went up. Likewise, if the price went down, they would lose. The farmer wouldn't have any price uh, risk at all. So that okay. is the okay. essence of a future,
0: right? So, so essentially, what we're talking about is is a in this case a physical um, asset, a c- commodity, rice, and it gets it gets created or packaged into something called a derivative, which means that. Mr Jones can actually say, well here's some here's a, an agreement that I'll pay you a sum of money um, for every bushel of of rice in this particular case and and that that contract that agreement that's the derivative so that's exactly right. correct absolutely so and so this is really really important because in in your article as as, as you pointed out, you know we, we think that the world is, you know, a big old place, and we look at the economic activity of the world, and it's about fifty trillion dollars. And if we add up all of the stocks and shares and all of the bonds that are traded and quoted, well, they come to hundred trillion. So that's that's another big number. But the derivatives market is over seven hundred trillion, and it's probably second only to foreign exchange. It's, it's, it's the biggest market in the world. So it's really, that's, really important.
2: That's correct. Because you could take the same example and apply it to the Dow Jones. You know, yeah. someone could be uh, thinking, well, the market looks really cheap. Let me buy a derivative on all the shares that make up the index, i.e. a future. Okay. And other people could be saying, you know what? We have exposure to the market in our 401ks or whatever it is. We need to make sure that the market doesn't go down. How can we protect ourselves at these levels? We'll sell. So you can have people trading uh, and both happy with the the position. because They have different views.
0: Yeah. So so it can be used a little bit like an insurance policy. You know, I'm I'm long on equities and I just want to reduce my exposure. So I'll sell a derivative, sell a future to protect my portfolio for taking. Exactly, yeah. Yeah.
2: And, okay. and that insurance and that insurance is what the person taking that insurance, we would call a hedger because he's right. hedging, you see, situation. And the person on the other side, he's speculating. Well, hang on a sec. The market looks really cheap. It's January. I think in uh, four months time, it's going to be 15% higher. Let me um, take this position on.
0: Okay, so what a so so you okay? So you obviously, you know, 30 odd years got a lot of experience and knowledge of how the derivatives market works, which is a, a sophisticated, institutional, highly regulated market. What the hell has that got to do with cryptos, which really, for most part, is like the Wild West? It's not regulated, there's a lot of cyberpunks and not many institutions. So it's almost juxtaposed to the derivatives market. What, what, why? Why are you so excited about this? You know, a lot like James and I, I have to be honest. But, you know, what, what really caught your imagination of cryptos then?
2: Well, basically what, what, what appeals to me about the crypto market is the fact that it, it, it feels the same as the, the futures felt in the 1980s. It. There's, it. there's, there's, it's a new market. Lots of people are in it. There's lots of excitement. There's lots of noise around it. Lots of people know what they're doing, and many more have no clue. So yeah. I, I believe that it's a new world, it's a new industry, and it's much like um, the property boom in Manhattan in the you know, early 1800s. It's the same as the cell phone boom. It's the same as the, the internet boom on day one. So things are going to happen. We don't know where it's going to be, but we do know that there's a change in the world order. That's for sure.
1: You know, Got in it. all fairness, we're still trying to get Lambos.
2: <laughs> well, aren't we all?
1: <laughs> Come on, James.
0: You've just been aboard a new um, black BMW, one of those electric snazzy ones. You don't even have new car yet. You're getting greedy now.
1: Could you imagine the uh, the tree huggers yelling at me? You bought a BMW electric, and <laughs> then you went to a Lambo. I gotta, I gotta fulfill the role. <laughs>
0: Sorry, Brian. Um James early last year or late last year bought a, an electric um three series BMW. So he's he, he doesn't care the car, the price of gas anymore. That, that's not uh, theory. So
2: he's doing his bread for the green huggers.
0: He is, yeah. Yeah. But I think he's got three or four other cars that are you know, you know, using up um the Americans God given right to use as much fossil fuel as possible.
1: <laughs> I do exactly. have I have like a thousand horsepower <laughs> worth of gas cars in my driveway outrageous <laughs> i'm, I'm okay. a hypocrite
0: okay but but brian just getting back to cassie because um i have to declare a bit of an interest um i have actually bought a little bit of um the cassie shares in my pension um and the reason i've done it is is exactly what you started at the beginning of the conversation and that is it's a full-time job looking at all the different sort of cryptocurrencies that are out there and there's more to the market than just Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, and, you know, most of my life I'm, I'm doing the research and I'm looking at these, but I'm not managing the money. Whereas what you're offering is um, a, a UK quoted company um, on a recognized exchange. And effectively, people can get exposure um, to a portfolio of different cryptos um, based on, you know, a team of people who are looking and studying these markets on a sort of day to day basis
2: exactly and and, and one, one thing I would say is we, we made it harder for ourselves because we've regulated ourselves and then not only that, we've gone onto a regulated exchange and we've acted as if we're a, a, a bank trading uh, regulated products because that's the background that the guys come from. you know so Jay Patel, our CEO. He was at uh, Dresda Kleinwood Benson for five years and then 15 years at Barclays running a derivative desk from them. So that's the world that we used to. And we figured that we would rather have a secure business where money is transparent. Our positions are transparent. People can get in and out of uh, the exposure whenever they want. And it's run with utmost respect to Warren Buffett, we would say it's the Berkshire Hathaway of crypto. So we take the money that we receive, the money, well, in our dreams, in our dreams, which we hopefully could get there. So, you know, the money that the shareholders invest gets invested into the crypto portfolios and, you know, the funky stuff that we're doing is derivatives. And on that, and, uh, you know, we are confident that we're going to outperform the market and
0: uh, okay, okay. deliver
2: on the crypto.
0: Okay, but I, obviously I need to stress, you know, we're not recommending any of the listeners to, to buy or sell, whether it's Casey or any other form of um, exposure. But the reason that, um, you know, James and I were keen to get you to come on the show was because you, you've got some, some, some people with a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge in the regulated, the traditional world. Um, you, you've worked for some of the big derivative houses. You've mentioned a couple of big um, banks with Barclays and, and, and Climax and the like. And so you and your colleagues have got experience and knowledge of how traditional, highly regulated markets work. And you're using some of that knowledge and trying to take the best parts and employing them in the, sort of crypt, in the crypto and the digital world. Because not all is bad in the old traditional world and we can learn a lot from there and try and take the best bits and make some money out of the new digital classes.
2: You, you, you've said it better than I could, Johnny. And, um, obviously, I'm not recommending the share either because uh, it's the market is totally dependent on crypto. However clever anyone is, if uh, crypto, specifically Bitcoin, Ethereum, goes down, you will lose all your money. There's no two yeah. ways about that.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's really just making people aware that there's, there's other ways. There's other opportunities, and it's and we're beginning to see people with real knowledge um, of, of of both worlds creating structures which we wouldn't have. We you know I, from I believe Casey is well certainly the first one in the UK. I know there's a there's a couple more coming, but I it's it's one of the first quoted way quoted. Equities that give you exposure to this new asset class, which is why I thought it was quite an interesting. But, but James, I'm I'm mind mindful of sort of timing, what have you? Any thoughts? Any ideas? I, I I'm amazed if you guys didn't actually bump into each other. If Jay, James, you were on Wall Street for a number of years, and Brian, you were lurking around
1: Manhattan. So who knows? Oh, you know, I'm either going to you
2: performing, right?
1: No, I was going to say that the awkward moment here is that Brian would be somewhat considered. If we did bump into each other, like my mentor, because he oh discusses how how the good old boy system went from taking the guys out to lunch to the computer geeks doing the high-frequency trading algorithms. And I was in Wall Street right around that time where I, I had a couple of companies bait me on special lunches. You want to come to us? I had one firm offer me a car, and we'll <laughs> just say in the state of Connecticut. Whenever, because I lived on Long Island, and they would say, "You don't want to go to this company. We're gonna have a car waiting for you on the Connecticut side of your ferry, and that's gonna make your commute." Like they were bidding on me, and then <laughs> one day, those special lunches just stopped, right? And it became what you're talking about. With it was all about technology, and you know, you're not that important now just because of who you know, but what you can do. So you were probably the guy I looked up to while I was trying to understand with that transition from the good old boy network to the good old white paper network, if that makes any <laughs> sense.
2: Well, I, I, I get that. I, I, I really do. Because, and, and that's the right way that it should be. That's what makes me feel even better. Because this world is open to anyone the The world that I came from wasn't. If you weren't at the right lunch club and you didn't, you know, say and do the right things, you and you didn't have the right accent and you didn't go to the right school, blah blah blah. That world was closed. And me being South African, they couldn't place my accent. They didn't know where you know my background or anything. But it was very limited. And um, crypto doesn't work that way. And and that's what is so fantastic. Someone in Bangladesh or in the third world. Has got just as much exposure, technology, and, and capabilities as anyone in Manhattan, and that's fabulous. And that's the way the world
0: should be. And, and, and Brian, I, I I do want to just come back to the point which you made because it's easy easily lost. You know, uh, you know, like you, you know, I, I was I was working in asset management as you know um, in the eighties and nineties, and it really was, you know, it was it was the concept of loads of money and greed is good and. And, you know, he who dies with most toys wins and horrible things like that. But what I personally also find fascinating about the sort of crypto and the digital world is it's a very, very different mindset. You know, people genuinely talk about what can we do to help the 1.7 billion people in the world that don't have a bank account? Um, I want to share some ideas and thoughts and information on you know Discord and Reddit and Slack. And, and I want to hear what you've got to say, not. I'm going to tell you what I think, and you're going to get on with it. And that that very strong community element is is a very different, distinct distinction, I think, about crypto assets. And it's not all good. There are some bad guys out there and girls, but on the whole, there seems to be a a, a real desire to do something and do something better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. Right. Well, look, Brian, really, really good to get you on there. I, I think you're in you're in the Middle East at the moment. I'm, I'm in Dubai as we speak. Well, so, that's a real crypto uh, center, isn't it? That's they're yes, re- they're really yes. embracing all of the opportunities. They, they really
2: are. They really are.
0: Yeah, fascinating. Well, look, yeah. we'll we'll we're definitely going to get you back um, on on the uh, on the show later this year, and you can give us an update, perhaps, and give some examples of some some perhaps some good trades and some bad trades, and it'd be interesting to see you know what you and your colleagues are learning, and hopefully you'll still be just as enthusiastic um, later on in the year. I hope I hope to, and I'd be very honored to
2: come back onto your show. Thank you, guys, very much for inviting me. It, it was very uh, appreciated.
0: That was good, James. A bit of a trip down memory lane for you. You were thinking about your car, the company car that used to pick you up and take you around because you're the king, king of sort of high frequency trading algorithms in those days.
1: Yeah, this is an enjoyable show today. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. So look, if um,
0: if you'd like a copy of Brian's article, then just contact obviously James Tiley at cyber.fm FM um, or myself Johnny J O N N Y Dot Fry. Um, both of us are on LinkedIn, and we'll just send you over a copy of this week's Digital Bytes, which has a copy of Brian's article in there. And, and Brian, before you go, um, how can people um, get hold of you? What's the best bet on, on LinkedIn? Yeah, on
2: li- I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, um, Probably is the best. And, okay.
0: Uh, and, and it's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N. And then your surname it. is coin. K-O-Y-N-E. No, C-O-Y-N-E. Oh. <laughs> the joys of dyslexia, K and Sorry, it's C O N E No, no, no problem. Sorry about that, Brian. Okay, no well, Brian, Well, well, thank you very much for joining us. And James, I think that's a that's another show. This week, we'll we'll be back next week with more sort of updates of what's been happening in the digital asset and blockchain um, world. And thank you all for listening to us again. And um, we'll look forward to be back on the air next week.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that uh, that he actually put it out there. I read the uh, we'll all be sipping our pina coladas and telling our children we are pioneers in the great crypto boom. I can't (laughs) wait. I want the pina colada.
2: Uh, I want to be sipping it with you. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. It okay, deal. well, thank, thanks so a lot. guys. everyone. Well, thank
2: thank you thanks. very much.
1: Looking good, Billy Ray! Feeling good, Lewis!